Welcome to the fire. Welcome to the fire, boys. My name is Parker McDonald. And I'm Walter Lee, and we'll be your hosts on this episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. If you're a new hunter trying to learn the basics, or you're a veteran woodsman just trying to get through your workday, there's always a place at our campfire for you. Speaking of the fire, we would love it if you guys would join our growing Patreon community and be a part of the best and only digital deer camp south of Mason Dixon Line. Come on. If you'd like and learn more, click on the link in the show notes. But for now, Walt, welcome, welcome to, to the fire. fire. All right, guys, welcome back to the Southern Collective Podcast. My name is Walt, and I am joined by a couple of studs tonight. That only means two things. That means Parker McDonald and Brett Mashburn. Gentlemen, we just got done recording one heck of a fun episode. What? <laughs> Come on, that was, that was smooth, guys. You say the Come weirdest on. crap, dude. I do. I do. It's funny, though. Can, can, I, can I be honest with you? I literally, before every episode, think about how I can do an intro to mess with y'all, you guys, because that was smooth, man. But, uh, gentlemen, it can only we... mean one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start one off, be like, welcome to the Southern collective podcast where you paid full price admission, but you're going to be sitting on the tip of your seat the entire time. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Like you're on the edge of your seat. Like you're just like, you're <laughs> leaning in, your you're seat. ready. I've never yeah. heard anybody say I'm on the tip of my seat. Well, you hadn't heard Punchy either until you'd gone hunting with me. So, actually, I don't think you ever heard Punchy, but I didn't hear it. I heard everybody yeah. making fun of you saying Punchy. <laughs> well, this intro is already woefully sidetracked, and we are one minute and eleven seconds into it. But, gentlemen, uh, it's not often that you get a guest that can talk about a product and not come off salesy. That can talk about a product and. And show that they're thinking bigger than a sale. And what I mean by that is tonight's guest that we had on did a phenomenal job of reflecting a vision and experience that they had been building and investing into and trying to provide individuals. Uh, tonight we were joined by Jake Roach of Quiet Cat e-bikes. And uh, that is a topic, e-bikes, that our Patreon members have been begging us to get people on to talk about. And we finally found the right guest. Um, we had a lim- we had them for a narrow window of time. It was really hard to uh, get our schedules to align. Uh, but I think that this is going to be a highly condensed episode, chock full of information. Jake's already agreed to come on for part two. Uh, so we're going to we're going to compile compile any information or questions that we have and come at them with part two. But am I am I overselling this gentleman or, or was that not a great episode? No, it was, it, was, great. it was awesome. I learned more in the first five minutes than I ever knew about it. E-bikes. I, uh, I I want I, I when anytime somebody suggests like, hey, let's get so and so from so and so company to come on and talk about their product, which is so and so. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that that happens a lot, and you think about it a lot in podcasting, and and sometimes that even feels like it's the easier thing to do because there are so mm-hmm. many brands that want to promote the product. Uh, but one of the things that I really like about our relationship with companies like Tethered is that it usually our conversation isn't so much around the product as mm-hmm. it is like maybe um, ideas or tactics or something around that product. And that's the thing I, I really appreciate about Jacob right here. I mean, it's obvious 
the guy believes in quiet cat and believes in the benefits of using quiet cat over other brands. But he also, from what I've been able to see, he believes in the benefit of the e-bike far more than he believes in, in, in the brand itself. Does that make sense? Like the application of the e-bike is the important thing. And, uh, you know, I'm like most things like like this, that, that there are any type of arguments over. I know there are arguments over e-bikes, same people arguing about that are arguing about TSS or reaping or shooting mechanical versus heavy air. I mean, there's just something like there's something Mm -hmm. people can argue about everything, but with all of those things, I try to like, look, look at them for what they are and not come at it from too biased of a standpoint. You know what I'm saying? I have my preferences. I have the way that I do things. I have the things that are great for me. Uh, most of the places that I hunt in Alabama, an e-bike is not legal. Um, again, though, I haven't really done a whole lot of research into making sure that there are not some type of loopholes or, or things like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. because most people aren't using them here. And so it's just not, not been a thing. Um, but I know it's completely different where you're at, Walt. It's kind of like if you're not mm-hmm. using one, you're behind. You're behind. You, it's 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 an essential tool. Uh, I think it's quickly becoming an essential tool in the South, much like a boat, much like a rifle, much like a climber. I feel like it's just becoming one of those things uh, that when someone's getting in hunting and they're talking to somebody, like, what do I need to get? They're going to be like, well, you need to get a bolt action rifle. You need to get a bow. You need to get a climber. And you should really look at an e-bike. It's just going to become part of that conversation. Um, and we talk a lot about that in the podcast. I'm not going to like belabor that here in the intro but i think you hit a great point there you know greg and ernie are always talking about they just want to see people in saddles they don't care what saddle brand it is right and i think you got that same vibe off of jake i'm sure he would prefer you'd buy a quiet cat but he wants to see people going places that they couldn't get he talks a lot about disabilities and and an elderly generation that can't get as far as they once were um you just saw like i said he he's about an experience He's trying to deliver an experience that you can buy a tool to do something with. Um, and, and you can tell that he put it, he puts an insane amount of thought into that experience. Whereas I think a lot of other companies, uh, they they put a lot of thought into how can I make a sale? And, and it's kind of like the cart before the horse kind of thing. Um, it, it was an awesome episode. I really wish we could have like sat around a campfire with him with, with a bunch of, headsets and some and some beverages because i feel like that could have been like a a two-hour podcast at elk camp or something that would have just been awesome but um i'm really grateful that we had him for the time that we do and i've got a cell number now so we're going to do part two he's not going to be able to jake if you're listening to this you're not going to be able to escape me or dodge me uh but uh part two's (laughs) coming coming at some point in time but we got to say thanks to some people guys um patreon continues to grow we're going to just start right there. The guys that are that are supporting the show on a monthly basis. We have got a couple new members. We're going to start off with Lincoln Howell and Andrew Mangles. Uh, I just want to say thanks to you guys. Part of your benefits. You get uh, shout outs on the podcast. You get free hats. I got a whole fresh stack of boxes and hats. Those are going hey, out tomorrow. Don't we have to give a Patreon uh, a patron something today? We do. We got to give gotta, a bunch of patron stuff, but we're some, not ready. Free stuff. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you forgot. <laughs> I, I, I ran shy on time. I didn't forget. Listen, uh, man. <laughs> we're going to, <laughs> we're going to uh, jump on this here shortly and we're going to be giving away two dozen Kanadieros 
and five dozen zinger fletches. Uh, we're going to do them all at a random draw to the people that are in the groups. Three entries for shooter bu- meat buck and five entries for shooter buck. So it's a little too late at this point because it's based on 1231 cutoff. Um, but we're going to be on the next episode that you hear. You're going to hear who those winners are. We're going to reach out to you direct- directly <laughs> and we're going to send those out to you. Um, thanks, Parker. I like, really you know, that, technology allows us to just pause this. We could, and say, work, but though. we're not going to do that. We're going to no. wait until next week. Next week. This <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So thanks to the Patreon members. Really appreciate that. I got free hats coming out the, out this week. I know there's some people waiting on them. Um, I, oh yeah, go Wanna ahead, Brett. Make in, your sales bro. plug. How many of those it, you got left? We still have, I think around 30 orange Soko hats. The Lucky with the goat rope on it. These things are sharp, and they're Parker's favorite hat so it's far, I, I believe. Um, so don't forget to jump on and order you a Soko orange hat. It's you know good, what? My wife wants to jump on me when I wear that hat. <laughs> she <laughs> oh, loves wow. that hat. She likes it. Uh, let me she actually recommended that I wear it to church yesterday. Really? Like, what, really? Hat, what hat should I wear? Wear your orange one. Really? My oh, orange wow. one? Yeah, she hey, likes it. It's no longer your your lucky hat. It's your Sunday best. No, it's your freaking get lucky hat. Dog. <laughs> put I on got, that. I guess I'm Put on, on that orange hat and the the bucks and the women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, multiple species. <laughs> There's an alliteration there, but I'm not gonna. All kind of tail. Um, we'll just leave it at that, gentlemen. That we took that too far, but but it is a sweet hat, and they should go buy it. On the you place. should. Go to the website, yes. buy a hat. We would appreciate it. All that money goes right back into the show, just like Patreon. We don't, you know, we're yeah. not making money off this. We're all buying, we're buying new mics. We're buying camera gear. We're all the time paying for out-of-state licenses. And that's where all that money goes, guys. Um, I also want to say thanks to a couple companies. Um, I want to start off with Bowtech. I've been shooting my Deploy, my Diamond Deploy SB. That is like right now my number two all-time favorite bow. It is ridiculous it is just phenomenal and the fact that it comes in at an 800 dollars price point that's just disgusting so uh check it out if you haven't already diamond deploy sb you two are shooting the new fill in the blank core ss, core SS. come there on go i love that bow you had to pry that thing out of my hands i mean that shooting that bow versus what i was is night and day difference i absolutely love that bow and i I have just few reps with it, and I can already shoot it better. Well, I am getting my bow set up this week. Hey, just in time for the Patreon. That's the huh? plan. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's been a crazy season, man. Like it, it really has been been nuts. It happened really quick, but I'm ready to get out and like. There's just something that sounds a whole like a whole lot of fun to me, like. Just going out and shooting the first doe that I see. Mm-hmm. That just sounds like a blast. Uh, buck hunting like is flag, fun. But yeah. 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 Less of a blast. More of a of a sound. A thump. Um, <laughs> Thwack. Brett. Brett. <laughs> Brett. Brett. We got to make that a shirt. Man. <laughs> no, Park. when I do it in the video. Parker and Matt sounds like Brett. <laughs> No, I literally said, I said in the real footage, I say, Brett. I'm going to start saying Parker when I stop it. 
Parker. Parker. <laughs> no, listen. Uh, when I do or, the, when I do the edit, Matt. I'm gonna have like Matt. 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 <laughs> we need we need a shirt. It needs to be a tree with a saddle hunter, and it needs to be little word bubbles, and they just get bigger and bigger, and it starts with either Matt or Brett. It's like Matt, Matt, Brett, and then all of a sudden you you know like that's that's the stop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a good way to get the deer to put its its guard down because it hears Walt. It's like I'm safe. In the edit, I'm gonna put Brett's uh, face like it's gonna go just like, <laughs> out of my mouth. Brett, I, it's I clearly I clearly say Brett. Like there's not another yes. thing. I'm not I'm not saying Brett. It's not like Brett. I'm like Brett. I might as well have just said Brett. Brett. It sounds just like that. <laughs> I don't know why. He's I didn't even notice it until Joey said something about it when I sent yeah. that footage. Like, Brett? I don't say Brett. No, Dang show clearly. Did. I said Brett. <laughs> oh. Uh, is that every... Oh, Tethered. We got to talk about Tethered. <laughs> I mean, we kind of gave Tethered a, a, a pretty good ad. At the beginning. Yeah, you're at right. At the beginning. You know yeah. what I mean? But, um, yeah, dude, I'm... I'm uh, I can't talk about what I want to talk about with Tethered right now. Yeah, I almost that should be everything anybody needs to know. Yep, mm. we'll just leave it be right there. Yep. All right, guys, let's get them onto the episode. Uh, huge shout out to Kanadi and uh, Zinger for this quarterly giveaway that you'll hear about next week. The winners, that is. And uh, until next time, we'll see you guys on the other side of this podcast. All right, everybody, we are here with the authority, the 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 preeminent guy to talk about e-bikes. Uh, if if you've listened to the podcast with any duration now, you know that I recently acquired my first e-bike, which has been a topic of discussion in our Patreon group. Shout out to you guys. This is really a, a dialogue driven by you guys and the constant uh, discussion that's occurred over there regarding buying an e-bike, how do they fit into the landscape, how to make them legal, um, are they really necessary, the pros and cons of every style type. And uh, we have got Jake Roach on the podcast from Quiet Cat, the founder of Quiet Cat. Uh, and he's going to give you all the magic, the magic solution to all of your e-bike questions. Dude, I appreciate you hopping on with us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Um, and uh, like you mentioned, I've been around the e-bikes for a long time. And I'm assuming that a lot of your community are hunters. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I started when my brother and I were twins. Um, and we were always passionate about hunting. And we were also pretty focused on sports in um, some particular outdoor areas. Uh, we were ski racers. Alpine. Um, and also that also led to kind of the mountains and that was mountain biking. So we also kind of competitively mountain biked and in 1998, it's going back. Um, I'm dating, I'm dating myself here for a second, but, uh, in 1998, I was leaving Aspen, Colorado. I was ski bumming there doing some racing. And I came back through an area of Illinois called Pike County. Um, and I had always looked at the North American whitetail magazines. Where's these biggest bucks coming from? I want to go check out and see what it's about. It was October. And I came to Pike County and I bought a tag and I went hunting for a day and I didn't see much. But what I did see was like, you know, what makes you think that they're there? 
And shortly, you know, that was 98. In 2001, I bought my first piece of property there. And not in Pike, went up north a little bit. But we weren't residents. And, you know, it was always a travel plan to get there. A flight, a rental car. Didn't have a truck, didn't have a trailer. Then I ended up having a truck and a trailer, and I was towing my brand. You always, We all re- recognize what those old souped-up golf carts looked like. There were some brands that even went there, and they were awesome. But I needed a truck. I needed a trailer. It was still heavy. It was loud when it rolled over the sticks. And went, and I needed to have an access path that was as wide as that vehicle. I was like, there's, there's a better mousetrap than this thing for what I need for me, being a mountain biker. And that was exactly what evoked the idea of Quiet Cat. That was in 2007. Um, Now, you guys remember what happened in 7 and 8, 9, 10. We went through a pretty large recession. And um, we held on to that idea until 2012 when we actually launched Quiet Cat. Um, But that was the impetus. That 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 was what actually started it. And today, Quiet Cat's quite a bit different. Yeah. We are core hunting. Most of our, uh, most of the employees around here are core hunters. Um, I still spend, you know, three weeks a year in the whitetail woods and as much as I can in elk woods um, a year. And today, um, you know, all of my access, especially in the whitetail, I mean, it is carved for whitetail quiet cat e-bike access because it is more stealthy. It is quieter. It is quicker. I'm not sweating. Um, matter of fact, I used to even think that, well, if I park it 100 yards away, you know, then I'll walk the last 100 yards, but I'll still be quiet. But then I realized I was leaving scent on the ground in the critical spot. So I stopped doing that. And I found that the best thing to do is to get a ghillie cloth or something or a mm-hmm. low spot and drop it as close to my tree stand as possible as long as the deer didn't see it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that ended up being the mo- the name of that game is actually get as close because I'm not trying to do this for exercise, guys. That's not the game here. <laughs> I'm actually I'm trying to do this to get closer, not have spread any scent. Um, maybe I might go a mile around downwind of something to get all the way around without blowing my wind through a core area um, in the morning, like a feeding area. Right. Um that's how Quiet Cat started. And again, that was 2012. So we were the absolute first e-bike, low-speed electric vehicle company, if you will, to hit and enter an access standpoint to the rugged outdoors, hunting, fishing, camping, whatever that is. You know? But um, the experiences are different, but the tactic is the same. Jacob, you... Um you mentioned back in 2012 back then um what was the regulations like as far as e-bikes on public lands like was it a lot more relaxed than it is now or has it relaxed more well no back then um i would say nearly a hundred percent of the people saw the bike and they couldn't believe their eyes when they saw it turning or moving without having to pedal they they were like what i don't don't get it What what are you doing Right. Like that, that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't Witchcraft. Even, yeah, that wasn't even a concept. And, um, and literally besides production, there was very little production. There was a few of the DIYers doing it, right. Adding the motor, 
to the wheel, to the this, to make your crank go, and they were bolting stuff on, but actually like integrating in production, um, there wasn't much of it. So um, yeah, so no one ever asked questions, it was just a bike. Now it went through a stage and now it's coming back into regulation. What I believe is gonna be good for all in the near future, because at the end of the day, the bikes are not tearing up the ground like an ATV mm -hmm. or a motorcycle. Um, what they are doing is creating easier access for more, but especially on public land, isn't that all of our land? Um, don't we all pay the tax dollars to use it the same? Um, one might say you don't, you shouldn't have to be able to, you know, jog up a mountain and be not out of breath to be the one that gets there first. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, if everyone equally is paying the dollars to do it, everybody should have it um, accessible. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Place to use the land, the public. Um, so we're seeing some laws change here and there. Um, right now, from what I understand, and I'm not the total expert, but I will say that the total expert is peopleforbikes.org. You can go on there, every state, every updated regulation is in their database. They are the authorities of Washington, D.C. and e-bike and all the legislation across every state. What I understand now is that BLM land um, is legal by uh, statute. Local county, local BLM offices can uh, navigate those laws left, right, up and down, depending on how the people of that local BLM office see fit. Other areas I know in Pennsylvania have passed like legally bike usage, but maybe on certain trails like to get back, um, but maybe not everywhere. Um, local towns and stuff can do their own stuff on a bike path on their dirt trails. But generally, um, and what I like to say, cause it's similar in my view, it was the, the era when snowboards came to ski mountains. It was pretty shunned at first, and now it's just equal play for all.
right? Um, that's what I see happening, um, let alone um, and, and keep in mind that is still e legal e-bike use. Let's not confuse legal e-bike with a motorized vehicle. Call it an e-moto, mm -hmm. right? Because they still could do the same. So if it go if it has over 750 watts of power output, it is no longer an e-bike. It might pedal. It might look like a bike. It might do everything a bike does. That is not an e-bike. That is now a low-speed electric vehicle that pedals. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, I'm talking about the usage here of being a legal e-bike, a class one, a class two, or a class three. Um, do we, should we discuss what that even is or please? Um, yeah. Yeah. Floor yeah. is yours. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, there's a federal class scene of e-bikes. Uh, most regulation has adopted both class one and class two, some just class one. The class one, if you just start there, it is like the most e-bike that's closest to not an e-bike. Mm -hmm. It, um, you have to pedal to make the motor work. You can't, there's no throttle. Um, it operates that motor up to 750 Watts and it has automatic to shut off if it, once it hits over a threshold and same with speed, it can't go over that 20 miles an hour or else it's, you know, the, um, system is told to shut off. That's class one. Class two is exactly the same, except that the throttle can also engage the same motor. Um, so your foot moving forwards um, engages a sensor that tells it to turn on. Well, with a class two, you have a throttle that can do the same. Um, a class three um, is back it up. It's, a, it's no throttle. It's back to pedals, but it goes up to 28 miles an hour. So it goes faster, but that's it. And then there's just unlimited. And again, that unlimited is that spot, like private land use, more power, might have 1,000 watts, 1,200 watts. It might have freaking 2,500 watts pumping through it. It goes 40 miles an hour. That's possible. Easy. Technology today. It's easy. Now, QuietCat first developed a technology that was really good, and we just launched it this year um, that was called VPO, Variable Power Output. And that allowed the user from the setting base and um, and conforming with the laws, you could lock it into a different class depending on where you were. So if you're on private land, you could lock it into unlimited and go 40 miles an hour. You could take that same machine and go on public land where it said 750 watts only and no throttle and it disengages the throttle and it, it shuts off at 20 miles an hour and all for the all with the same bike. Um, and What's happening now is amazing, and we all understand what IoT is. Nope. Um, no. Don't assume. Okay. <laughs> no idea. Okay. No idea um, whatsoever. Please explain it. IoT is inter Internet of Things. Um, IoT is the communication protocol from your phone to a machine, if you will. So now – and especially coming up with all of our models. So I want to talk a little bit of eventually here about what QuietCat is launching here this week. We're headed to the ATA show. Um, we're headed to some other shows. There's some really new stuff. Um, again, QuietCat started in 2012. We were the pioneers. We were the only, I would say this year is the next step for QuietCat. We are wow. launching technology that no one else has seen yet. Um, and I can touch on it, but the IoT of uh, the IoT is Internet of Things that allows you to communicate as a user with your bike. 
through the, with the GPS, with the speed limits, with uh, changing your uh, classes uh, and everything. And it, and it will even feed you information of how much power do I have? How long can I go? It's actually getting a lot more. And that's even uh, being able to control your bike when you leave it. It knows that it can no longer operate. Um, things like that. Safety, alarms, tracking. Somebody steals your bike. You don't need to just to lock it in a populated area, but if somebody does steal it, you're actually going to be able to track it, right? Um, oh, wow. Take it. So, yeah. Um, so That's pretty sweet. All the future. Um, and most particularly, um, there's been a few things. And, um, well, let me stop there and see if you guys have any other questions when your audience before to like us well you talked about the internet of things and the ability to change things does that impact the class because if i'm able to switch between classes uh basically i could jump on a trail where i'm most likely to get checked to see if it's class one go a mile down up the trail go to class two right or is it is it locked in a way that prevents that well um so um let me let me talk about that current case and then hypothetical case of future um okay we'll there um in current case, yes, it's users' discretion to operate their machinery where they will. For example, because you have a Ferrari, it doesn't allow you to go 150 miles an hour on a road, right? Um, but, um, but what our pr current protocol does do, that when you lock it into its class, you have to stop, go into a deep setting to resurface it to a different class. So it's not like you can just like do it on the fly very easily. Um, now... In the true future of it all, um, your classes could be geofenced to areas, meaning if it knew that you were on a public land access trail, your geofence communication would be able to tell it that it's only allowed to be in this class. I'm getting a little pretty far out there as far as reaching, and but that is what is possible. Just like hmm. when you're at a trade show, if you want to market to somebody, you can geofence that show and give them marketing communication. Similar. And that get that gives that gives ultimately the state, I mean, I guess the ability yeah. to to use that technology and be able to enforce rules, right? The whatever regulations right. that they have. Um, but also doesn't mean that a guy who bought a however many thousand dollar e bike all of a sudden it becomes a waste of money. No, well, it, it's that's what I like about it is they can uh, use it for us is like, hey, well, if I'm using this bike in a public land area and, and I'm really only allowed to use a 750 watt bike. But you know what? I also have a lease in Kansas and I want to like I want to tow my ground blind or my all my duck decoys and a bunch of stuff through mud and it, it needs more power. And this bike's capable of it. It didn't seem sensible that somebody, a user should have. <laughs> They should be able to have one bike and be able to alternate between those use cases um, and maybe, you know, have a better bike that works better for it all versus different bikes to fit different use cases. So that was the impetus of why. Um, and we, you know, I, um, Quiet Cat um, three years ago was purchased by Vista Outdoor. Um, so I uh, went through that acquisition process. And Vista, if you guys are familiar, they own Bushnell, Primos, Golden. Mm -hmm. um, I think I said Bushnell. And then they own 
you know, Federal and Remington, Ammo, and a bunch of other outdoor brands, Camelback, Fox Racing, et cetera. Um, but really, we have a large compliance group, right? Um, we have a large IP group. But the compliance group, we wanted to make sure that this was legit, not just like theory. So our compliance group, um, you know, doubled down and checked to make sure that this was like, yeah, you can do that. And under current regulation, yes, you can. That doesn't mean that in the future regulation could change to say, hey, you guys just loophole this. Um, but yet the, and also at the end of the day, the largest piece of using products like this, whether it's in the hunt or on the um, bike path is consumer education and then consumers doing the right stuff. Right. And that's true with anything. It doesn't matter if it's a firearm or a bow or, I mean, you know, you've got people that do everything by the book and then you got people that poach, right. And no one wants the poacher. Everyone wants the legit fair chase, whatever it is. Um, but at the end of the day, most of the relevance of the good here is all about more education and smart usage um, and doing it the way you're supposed to. And we have the product that's capable to make it so that you can do it every time the way that you're supposed to. I've got like... <laughs> a thousand different directions I could take this, but it felt like you kind of had like a, a, a thought process. You wanted to take it from the, from the internet of things. Do you want to keep going that way? And then we'll circle what? back to some of the questions. Yeah. Yeah. So one more thing about the innovation, right? I think that yeah. the internet of innovation, and that's just like the user being able to communicate, but through the processes, there was always, and from day one, always been a weak spot of a bike in the field. And especially when you're rolling through tall grasses, bean stalks, corn stalks, uh, brush, things that fling up into your drivetrain, your cassette, your derailleur. Um, and what happens, and, and well, even the bike you have um, today, and you're using it in the areas of hunting, it's not a matter, real truly, it's most likely not a matter um, of if it happens, it's when it happens. And you're going to, stick's going to fly up in there. You're going to be under full power and you're going to snap something, a chain, a derailleur, and you're going to be like, I'm stuck. This, this is broke. I'm, I'm mad. Um, but, and maybe not. But what we've done is our bike's all launching here, literally, this week, next week. Um, Drivetrains are all internal. Gearing is autom uh, shifting is automatic, and there is no more derailers. Uh, there is chains that are Im um, nearly impossible to break. They look like motorcycle chains, um, and there is no more um, derailer. There's the shifting, like I said, is auto. It knows when it should shift to the right gear for the train you're in and the power you're trying to put through it, um, and. Uh, we got rid of the weak links, if you will, for hunting, for outdoor. Oh, look at you with the pun. Look at you with the pun. I, I appreciate a good <laughs> pun. And, uh, it, it sounds like what you're telling me is I should have waited to buy a quiet cat because now I may have to end up getting a second is what I'm hearing. Because <laughs> one of the biggest things I'm worried about is going deep and then getting stuck, having to like get my get myself out. You know, I've got a, uh, a hub-driven driven system, so I think that's going to end up solving – any situation in which I'm not reliant on throttle. Um, but you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of interesting what you said though earlier 
on that note is you think that e-bikes are a good thing. I used to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I think the people who are anti-e-bike are the ones that are used to being able to walk six miles and have a spot to themselves. And I think when the introduction of e-bikes is more thorough, what you're going to see is like an even stratification of pressure across the landscape instead of just 100, 200 feet, 200 yards, however you want to look at it off the road. Um, it sounds like you guys are finding ways to ensure that if you get back there, you can get back as well without any problem. Well, I've always thought, I've always thought that, um, the growth of this industry hunting, and, and I think we can all be on the same page that we want more participation because we want, um, we want our kids and we want this legacy to continue. We want, uh, hunting to not be on a dying vine. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I think we could agree that. The experience that users have of hunting or fishing or accessing that if they have really bad experiences continually, they're probably less likely to do that experience. And that's and we saw it in COVID. I mean, everything the first mile of the of the of the trailhead or the parking spot or the easy access places were packed. The animals weren't there. You saw more red hats or orange hats and vests than you did animals. Um, and that was, I mean, we recognize that, you know, animals and hunting are definitely um, cognizant of pressure. And if you can distribute the pressure equally over the same land, over a larger landmass and just diversify it out, everybody has an opportunity to have a better experience. Mm-hmm. Not running else, you know. Jacob, that's probably the best argument that I've heard for e-bikes. And I'm, I'm not going to say like I'm I'm not necessarily for them or against them. I've used them in in uh, Missouri, uh, where they are very legal, and it was awesome. I freaking loved it. It was actually it, it had the effect that that you're talking about. Like there were people hunting this particular uh, conservation area. But it was super spread out, and there was only just a couple of uh, mm-hmm. a couple of access areas. But it was the pressure was still spread out because the majority of people there had e bikes. Um, I've seen that be the same thing in Florida. It's become a lot of just a part of a lot of people's arsenal. Like they just have an e bike. That's just what people use. Uh, you go to when we go to uh, Florida for open a weekend of turkey season. Every flipping truck has got a dang e-bike rack in the back you know um and so i see that being the case where where there are a lot of people using them it does spread pressure but in some other places where i've been where maybe they're legal maybe there's some maybe there's some loopholes where certain bikes are the right ones and other bikes aren't those are the ones where I've seen people get kind of pissed off and like i can't believe they got that bike up Mm -hmm. there they might been walking there for 15 years, you know, whatever. Um, and I also understand that side of it as well of like, yeah, it does kind of stink when you're putting in all the work getting back there and some joker comes zooming by you on an e-bike, you know, that woke up late and whatever. And I have an argument for that too. Let's and hear it. I'm, I'm indifferent, man. I'm neutral. I, I, I hope you can sway um, me one way. Right. But um, I would say that um, somebody with disability and um, I even, would say that age is a disability and we are in the boomer age groups of people that are mostly recreating in youth lands um, that 
because you're fit and get to spend umpty ump hours in the gym and making sure that you can cardiovascular do that, um, shouldn't necessarily give you the edge to be able to do it versus not somebody else being able not to do that. Right. I mean, and, and there is an argument there for what you're saying is like, I, you know, you didn't earn it. I did, but the other idea. Yeah. You didn't sway me yet, but I understand what you're saying. I paid tax dollars that you did because I was in the office, not working out. You know, (laughs) I've, I've, what I've seen more, um, I've seen more younger people using them, um, than older people. And that is, that is awesome. And that's our, that's our, that's our focus, you know, in our marketing messaging now is because again, it's not about, and and I mentioned this earlier, it's not about being lazy. It's about being efficient. Right. I agree. Um, I totally agree. And it's about, you know, being effective. Right. And the efficient thing is like, Hey, we all, the biggest currency, the time is one of the largest currencies in today's world. Right. How much time you have. Um, so there's being efficient and then being effective is, you know, I don't put my scent on the ground when I'm on That's right. rubber. You know, I don't sweat when I'm hiking three miles and I'm drenched and now I'm you know, having a different um, pheromone to the animals because of what's what I'm putting out. Um, that's being effective. Uh, but at the end of the day, quiet cat is access and it's not hunting. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. You're right. It's access. Um, That's that, right. Um, hey, you, you touched on one other thing. Like everyone had a, a e-bike in the back of their truck or their hitch or their hauler. Um, that's one other thing we developed uh, this year. That's launched. It's actually on our website now as a as just eye candy, but it's launching in I think a month. But we developed a rack that is made for the because they're heavy. Right. If you want a bike that goes 30 miles, 60 miles, they're not light. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And, and oh, 200 pounds. Um, so we developed this rack called the Pivot Pro and it tilts and the arm becomes a ramp. So you just roll it up. It's kind of cool. The cool it's, new product you'll see. Super cool. <laughs> yeah. That sounds cool. I, I was looking at it the other day because I've got a old, just a regular old Harbor Freight motorcycle trailer. And, um, I'm not necessarily out of shape, but the bike is, is heavy. And once you put a rack on it and, and everything yeah. else, it's uh, balancing it and getting it up there is kind of a pain in the butt. And they've got this like aluminum thing that you could like roll your bike up, but I'm about as, as adept at keeping it on there as just horsing the thing up onto the trailer. So uh, that's, yeah. that's definitely on my, uh, my 2024 list. I'm looking at is that tra- that, that and your, your all terrain so, game trailer. And we were and interesting enough. Um, we were able to patent that, which is pretty cool. Really? Yeah, we were able to patent patent the pivoting mechanism of that. So it's pretty nice to have protection, you know, um, with e-bikes and all bikes for that matter. Um, you're really, I mean, your design is your patent. That's what you can patent, but everything is components. Like, hey, you have a seat, a handlebar, a, a display, a motor. Um, these are all 99.9% of the time. These are all components. Nobody's, we're not the engineers building. We didn't build our motor. We didn't build the seat. We designed the frame and had it built and assembled the best components for it. The drivetrain that we're talking about, you know, those are others people's technologies that we're utilizing. Now we have locked some of the technology um, from competition 
um, to be able to utilize it for a little bit, but that won't last forever, right? Um, mm -hmm. Someone will create something almost exactly like it over a short time from now. Um, but uh, if you can get a true patent on something, that's pretty fun because it allows you to do different things in the marketplace um, to tell different stories and to know that you have a different path and to ramble, right? <laughs> um, that is pretty cool. Yeah. So that's really cool. I You, you talked about, I really like the direction of efficiency when we're talking about uh, deer or turkey hunting. Honestly, I, 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 I could see for me personally, a, an e-bike coming in a whole lot more uh, use during turkey season, just covering ground. Um, but I like the idea, that idea of, of it being efficient. That, that is uh, no joke. And I, and I guess when you, we talk a lot about water access because Walter's down in Florida Brett in South Alabama, where I'm at, I do a lot of water access as well. And it really is kind of the same thing as your boat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Your bike, your boat, it's just a means of access. And I think we'd be having a whole other conversation if states were trying to make it, you know, less, maybe not illegal, but put more, um, you can only put more things in place, more laws and regulations yeah. in place. Yeah for a boat. I, I think yeah. I would be like, what the frick mind your own yeah. business. <laughs> and there has been states. I know Texas did something like that where it's yeah. like, you can't carry a firearm on a boat or something like that. Um, which is nuts. That is, they, they wrote this law. It's like, um, uh, the Lone Star Outdoor show guy was talking about it. Cable Smith. He was talking about it and they made this law where you can't carry a, a gun on public water with a motor or something. It's something like really dumb, basically making it illegal to carry a firearm on a boat. Um, and I'd be, I, that pissed me off. And I can imagine a lot of people would be pretty ticked in other States if they started doing that. So, um, I think, uh, you know, having that angle of, um, I mean, it really is just a means of efficiency. And if somebody can afford it, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be someone that's going to try to stop it through some sort of weird regulation. And that regulation I'm sure wasn't even thought about. I mean, it, it probably was at the backs and, but like thought about hunting, right. They're probably more like yeah. around like personal safety or something like that. Um, but you know, there was, um, I, it was two weeks ago or something, but it's all in line with the outdoor rec act. Um, and there was just, um, I think just recently was a, a billion dollars appropriated to uh, more access on the public lands. Mm -hmm. uh, what does that mean, right? It does mean, um, it means more trails. And e-bikes is part of that discussion. So on some of these areas, you know, there might be, because one, um, one thing that pressure does do, and I don't want to say e-bikes, but pressure, pressure does change habits of animals especially when you talk about like herd animals like elk okay mm. so if you kept if you had the pressure going everywhere the elk are gonna get really like frazzled and they're gonna be running left right center and all of a sudden that could be bad for the uh, herd but again dispersing out the population of the hunters 
you know, maybe it's just one or two trails up through this large public land zone. And anywhere along that trail is good to go. And then people can go one mile, two miles, six miles up and peel off. But once they peel, they're not on an e-bike anymore, right? They're not mm-hmm. on guys, only foot uh, or, uh, or I guess horse, right? Um, and maybe, you know, there's a few of those trails, but it's not just go anywhere because sure. going anywhere does create, um, I don't want to say destruction because that's not the right word, but just it just creates um, this intense pressure to these herd animals. That Disrupt, disruption, yeah, not a, destruction, but disruption. Run, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think I am in line, even as a founder of an e-bike company, to have you know guardrails um, that are good for all, and all being the people, the users, and the wildlife, and you know the trail network that goes through there and runs over. I mean. The public walking trails in Colorado here that are popular, I mean, they are beating human footprints. I mean, and they're literally, it's erosion along those trails, yep. right? Yeah. Those soft human foot traffic, not hoofed at traffic, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm all about the guardrails and doing it right and educating um, people about it. Um, and then also... And using technology to advance correctly, like we are with IoT and mm-hmm. things like that. I think I think that let's talk about. To, oh, go ahead, Parker. You're good. You're good. Go ahead, Walt. So, uh, and I'll just put a pin in this, but I think we need to look at the merit of the why as well. You know, when I when I talked to a, a biologist down here not too long back, he I said, you know, why are these these roads blocked off to vehicular ac- access? And he goes, well, if you have everybody with their buggies running up and down the road and your quads and your side by sides, you're going to end up just opening up an area to be destroyed because if you've ever watched a four-wheeler trail, it just gets blown out very, very quickly. Dirt bikes, not necessarily quite so much. Um, And he said, we're trying to eliminate a lot of that human disruption of the habitat, right? It's not so much about the deer because we run dogs around here and we've shown that running dogs really doesn't have a negative impact. E-bikes aren't in that equation, right? Like you said, you can run, you can ride a bike up and down a trail it feels like 10,000 times and not leave even a semblance that you were even there, maybe some, some tracks in the sand. Um, but even, even the legal means now can be abused. I mean, when I was in Colorado a couple of years or several years back, um, there were entire horse camps out in the national forest where they had ridden horses into an area, cut down every tree in sight, use those trees to make, you know, shelters that they could throw canvas over and put a tent in. And they had just cut trails with chainsaws anywhere they wanted to. Right. And that's under the current the current accessibility of allowing them to have a horse back there. And so I think I think we have to be careful as a community. And, and I, I was part of this problem from the beginning. So I'm calling myself out here not to have a knee jerk reaction to something that challenges a norm just because it looks like something else. Right. We need to kind of look at all these other other factors, because to me, I think if more people had e-bikes and I wish there was, you know, this was just more accepted. I think everybody would have a better time because the scent thing. Dude, Jake, you you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the scent. I J-hook areas with my e-bike. I did it just the other day. I made a huge loop with it that I never would have on foot because I would have been a sweaty mess by the time I got back there. It was 27 degrees. I wore no layers. I got all the way to the base of my tree. I put it over on its side next to a blowdown where it wasn't seen, uh, couldn't be seen. I put it on my layers and I climbed the tree. And that entire swath, if someone wanted to come in behind me, I'd be willing to bet you I didn't disrupt it in the slightest. 
you know, I didn't drop all of the foot traffic, all the, the descent from every step. So, um, I think there's, there's room for abuse, no matter what we allow, we just have to kind of be common sense about it. Like you said. Yeah. And that's again, coming up to that. And over the years, I, I mean, I've been using the e-bikes hunting scenario for a lot of years. And like I said, originally I would park it a little ways away because I was like, I still need to be like, you know, at least like not ride the bike to the tree. That doesn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> but then honestly, like started testing the difference and I, I was like pretty amazed. I was like, there, it is actually, if I can get, the, if I can get the e-bike in a place, cause it, it still has hard lines. You know what I'm saying? Like the spokes mm-hmm. or the line of the bike. So they're still kind of look at it weird. Um, sometimes they don't win rut. Right. But if I could like, if you could just have like a small, like little ghillie cloth in your backpack and throw it in the low spot and then just throw that on top of it. It's actually the most successful. It's here. Like usually if I could spit on it, it's actually better because I didn't leave any scent anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It, it's less intrusive. It's less intrusive than walking for sure. It's like, um, I think anybody could see it if they just take an e-bike ride through a WMA. Uh, that that's what I did in Missouri when I was using them in Missouri. Um, and you could, literally ride right by the deer but the moment you stop the moment you got off that's when the deer's gonna take off and run they'll flip and watch you ride right on by and act like it was nothing yeah and today i don't know if the deer will learn um about that noise but predatorial sounds of people walking is dangerous to them mm-hmm. and the rolling noise if you think hear it rolling over um the leaves on a crunchy day, um, you know, that noise is not the same predatorial noise that a foot. Now, granted, every time my favorite time use of an e-bike is, you know, a 15 mile an hour wind where everything's muffled just because it feels better. Right. <laughs> We're no, but, um, yeah, they, they've been a great tool. And today, again, uh, um, I still have those farms in Illinois and I only allow access with the bikes because I just know that it's better and we park further away. I don't drive the truck even up to the edge of the farm. We'll park half a mile away and ride the bikes in um, because it's more stealthy. Let's talk about um, distance. Like how, how far are these bikes going? Like how it's somebody who maybe doesn't know anything about it. Um, it's all, I know it's probably different for each of, bike. It's all an equation, um, and it's an equation with variables. So the variables are a hill, the terrain that you're riding through. You're riding through sand or a hard road, or you you know going through you know mud. Um, there's a variable, and then the other variable is the weight on the bike you and all your gear. Um, the average, and there's no and then just the sensible thing for all the users out there. Good quality cells. Okay. So there's only a couple manufacturers out there that make really good cells. Again, it's a component. Panasonic is probably the best. That's the same cells that like Tesla uses. Samsung also makes a good cell. And LG makes a good cell. Um, and how do you know if your cell's really good? The battery will have a UL certification. 
really important. Protect against fire, right? Really, really, really important um, that your battery has a UL271 certification. If it doesn't, I wouldn't plug it into my garage, right? Um, and, the, and an e-bike certification, which all of the QuietCat e-bikes um, are now certified UL2849. Um, that means that the battery is certified with the controller, with the display, with the mechanisms of what the bike can do. That's called the UL2849 certification. Um, that's the next level. Um, the downside of these certifications is that they're really expensive. Um, so to hold that certification, you got to kind of pony up the cost. Um, the, so the downside of that to the consumer is that that product's going to be more expensive at the end of the day. Um, but it's going to be safer. Uh, I think that's pretty important. But getting back to range, on the average, and I call average because you got to take variables out to, to create an average, 200 pounds on flat terrain don't pedal. That takes out variables because pedaling is a variable too. You can pedal harder or light. Mm -hmm. 200 pounds flat terrain, go. On um, Throttle only. About two miles per battery amp hour. Okay. okay so every battery AH, a 10, a 20. Our new bikes, for example, that are coming out, and they're bigger because they're the battery is big. They are 30 amp hour batteries on that new model that we're coming out with. So that is that is a 60 mile range if you don't ever pedal on on with all those variables out. Um, so that's, that's what's, and there's no way around that, right? Um, but that's our new models have the 30 amp hour battery. Well, I mean, it depends which one you buy. You could have the 15 amp too, but it's just less cells in the same case. Mm -hmm. Um, which is still 30 miles, 30 miles, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, to, you want to just yeah. add down a user was looking like, Hey, I want a battery going to go this many miles and you want to kind of take out those variables and you want to be simple about it. And it might be 1.8 and it might be 2.1, but if you just simply use two miles per battery and amp hour is going to get me my range, not pedaling. That's a good, that's a good measurement. To go so you mentioned the price of those batteries is, is a little bit more expensive, right? If you get the, the certain certification, yeah. uh, as far as like maintenance, things that people would have to expect uh, great to pay question. for um, along the way. You know, you, you have a, a pretty decent, pretty decent price up front to get into the e-bike game, no matter which brand really. Um, and then I want to know, like things happen, like what, what, what's the typical maintenance cost that people will be looking at? Well, um, I always say that a clean bike is a good operating bike. Um, so if you can just keep the debris off of it, um, keep it clean, it's going to operate better. A couple of things that one should know that aren't bikers, because what we learn at QuietCat is that 85% of QuietCat's customers are not bikers, and even a bunch of them have never even really rode a bike. Maybe they're a 10-speed when they're a kid, right? They're buying or purchasing the bike for utility purpose, not for biking. Mm -hmm. So, but... Um, brakes and bikes, 
it's not WD-40 to make them quiet. That's actually opposite. It's a clean, but it's a clean rotor, right? It's a clean brake pad. That is, um, there is a really cool product. We don't make it. Um, and, um, it's called squeal out and it's a pro it's a paste process that cleans your brakes and pads and it's called squeal out. And it's an application that you put on and then it makes, it cleans, it cleans your brakes and your rotors really well. Um, but um, again, also like hardened mud, particularly with the bikes that QuietCat has currently in, in the market and has in the past um, is, you know, hardened mud creates resistance to create something weird coming up through your derailleur and bending or snapping something. Um, for me, and, and I told you about the new technology coming that changes that for QuietCat. But that hasn't been the past, and if anyone owns one of the many, many thousands of bikes of Quiet Cats that's out there and, and didn't, you know, isn't buying one this year, um, clean bikes. But for me, in a hunting scenario, I transitioned all of my bikes to single Simple. I didn't want gears. I, I don't care to go 30 miles an hour. I just want to, I want the right gear, and I, and as a matter of fact, you know, when I shift gears, that actually makes noise, click, clink, right? So I actually went the next step and made it easier or simpler. Now, what we did learn, unfortunately, in a brand is that people, consumers generally think more is better. So they're like, oh, it's got 10 gears. Oh, that's better than seven, better than five, better than one. And the single speeds were harder to sell because of that. So we actually only made it a conversion versus like a bike that was really had it. But in Illinois, running through beans and corns and twigs and branches and and debris through the yeah. gears, I moved all out of gears and into single speed and put a BMX chain on it so it's heavier. Um, but yeah, again, here's one other trick. Um, when something's breaks, it's going to break under load. So if you have 750 watts or a thousand watts and you're on a steep hill and you're in your hardest gear, that means that there's the most load pressured up and that's the best chance to break something. So always, if you're in your gears, especially in off-road scenarios, let's take parking lots and your home out of the equation. Always kind of live and start in the, what we call granny. Granny's your easiest gear. Try to live in those granny to the three, to the three easiest gears, and and live there. That's better for the bike. It's better for the operation. And you think about it, there's it's grabbing more teeth too, right? Your small rings, mm -hmm. teeth on them, so that your chain's biting less. You want your chain to bite more. Um, and then the last thing, you're riding it. All of a sudden, you hear this like it starts going kick, 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 and it doesn't sound right. Don't push through it. Stop. It's <laughs> probably out to break. <laughs> Just stop for a second. Look down and grab that twig that's in there out. <laughs> and you'll, uh, you'll, you know, every user will thank you that because they won't be broken down four miles from the truck. I feel like Jake just talked directly to me because <laughs> that's, that's my MO. I'm like, I'll fix it when it breaks. Right. And, and then I'm going to be that guy that's six miles down the trailhead. 
I mean, how many times this happened to me? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So clean. So um, let me ask. And, and let, go don't ahead. pressure them with super hard pressure. Um, like a like a, a really don't don't throw a bunch of water like a a good hose or a light washer, but don't put a whole bunch of pressure in there because they're not the bike components. That's not good for them. Just get the debris and mud off. That's what I was just about to ask. Actually, was was what what? So let's say you take it for a hard a hard weekend of hunting. Like, what does your routine look like for maintaining that bike? Because, like for me, I take my truck through the car wash, right? Get all the mud off the under off the underside and whatnot. You come home. It's time to clean the e bike. What do you What do you do? You know, one thing I have, um, and um, Parker, you mentioned hunting public land, and you know, some of these public land hunters might be out camping. They might be hunting other truck for a few days and it might be and Illinois or Missouri rain is pretty mucky and sticky, right. And slippery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, you guys seen these little pressure washers that run off of like an electric, looks like a little electric drill. Mm-hmm. Have one of those and you need a five gallon bucket of water. And if you could just keep that mud and stuff off and just like, when you get back from that day's hunt and just like give it a, second wash down when you go back to the afternoon hunt it's gonna be better because it won't have dried you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. things like that um and then um, when you get home wash it down good if you want use you know degreaser meaning degreaser um you know anything what's the simple green is degreaser right you don't want to grease you want to degrease and then you want to re-oil your chain with bike lube you don't want to throw WD-40 on anything. You want to throw a simple green greaser on it, clean it all off, and then just oil back up the chain. That's it. You say that like you get like y'all get a lot of people that are like, you know, I cleaned it with WD-40, and for some reason it ain't working. Is the that brakes, a common thing? The brakes are squeaking, and I put WD-40 on it. Is that good? I mean, <laughs> makes sense to me. That's what Mike Papa would have been to do. <laughs> yeah, Papa would have been proud of that one. He did call WD-40 when w- it didn't work and, and blasted them. <laughs> I did put WD-40 at a chain on one that I was using last year. <laughs> Just that a little bit like, on God there. Dang it, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm laughing so hard over here. He's talking to me. <laughs> I didn't put it on the brakes. I'm not that crazy. A lot better than the brakes, uh, Brett. Yeah. You did well there. Yeah. <laughs> if you well, say so. Let, let me ask you a couple questions. Uh, I, I jotted down kind of like the Parker has just like taken every question I had written down and, and, and you too, Jake, have just like bounced through these, but I've got a couple that tend to be the biggest question, ask, ask questions. And so uh, the first is kind of technical and a lot of people, when they're looking at these bikes, they're trying to decide if they're going to go hub or mid drive on their e-bike. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, um, generally speaking, the, your hub drive bikes is going to be perfectly fine for flat terrain, flatland, Illinois, Kansas, Florida. Um, when you get into mountainous terrain, the torque, cause the, the hub drive just drives the wheel. That's all it does. Right. And you're pedaling, you change gears or such is all in your pedal, your, your human power. Um, now on the mid drive is quite different and the power of the motor is driving the crank. 
So you get the exponentially more torque out of the gear you're in. So the difference being, um, up, and let's just use even you, you can use a hill, you can use a mountain in Colorado, or you can use a holler in Kentucky. It doesn't matter. Still the same hundred feet, really steep, right? Mm -hmm. um, difference is in your easiest gear with a hub drive, um, you won't get up it. And with a mid drive, you'd easily get up it. And so really, I say it's all of real. It's all about the terrain that you live in mo your most case usage, I would say. Um, they're all good bikes. Um, and, 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 and it's a price thing too. The, uh, the hub drives are going to be less expensive. It's a, it's a, it's a much less sophisticated technology. Um, if you tore apart the hub drive versus the gear, the motor of a gear drive, it just looks a lot different inside. Um, so is there in a mileage Illinois, difference between the two? Like, if you put them on flat land, you said that two mile that two mile per amp hour. Does that metric change hub versus mid, or is it about the same? Depends what. Yes, it depends what gear you're in in the mid drive. But typically speaking, um, the range is negligible on the differences. Um, if you're in this, if you're in a comparable gearing, right? Um, gotcha. Now speak. Speed-wise, um, uh, I think our hub drives next year go a teeny bit faster than our mid-drives, just if you were to wide it open on flat. Um, but again, we're gearing everything more for utility and torque than we are speed. Uh, Top-end speed is not a driver for us. Um, although we, you know, when you're trying to get home, you, sometimes you do want to go faster, but that's not the name of the game. And if you see like our sprockets on our bikes in the front are smaller than bigger, that changes speed a lot. Um, and same thing with the back, um, in regular biking, um, it's commonly referred to as the dinner plate. That's your back easy hill climbing gear. It might be this big around the back. It's called your dinner plate. And that's why, cause it looks like a dinner plate. Um, that's going to be a lot more torquey. So the larger in the front, in the front, the smaller your sprocket, the more torquey. In the back, the larger your sprocket, the more torquey. And any combination between that uh, works, right? And that's why on a single speed bike, like I converted all of those bikes in Illinois to single speed, is I found the ratio that I wanted to have good torque to go through the terrain. Because you could, I mean, there's a dime a dozen different sprockets for front and rear that you could choose, mm -hmm. right? And that's where a lot of testing, um, and we've got a great group of engineers that are, you know, bikers and mechanical and electrical and just making all the combinations together work the best that they can for the train and the use case that we're looking for, which is um, in a hunting aspect, you know, it's through the mud, through the woods, through the, through up the mountains, um, slow, you know, power. Um, some of this IOT stuff that I was mentioning in the new modes will have like rock crawl mode. And that means that it will go really fast. With, I mean, it'll go really slow with a lot of power. That's hard to do mm. without, um, mm -hmm. without having to tell it that it could go into that mode. Um, or, or a different mode for going fast when you get back to flat and you want to go home. It, you could just change the mode. Um, 
I know this is uh this is I I think I believe I know the answer to this question anyways. Um y'all offer for a deer hunter. I know something that a lot of people think of is like okay, so I got got to my spot using this bike. How about getting the deer out also using this bike? What are y'all's offerings as far as that's concerned? Um today um today we have two trailers. Uh, we have a single wheel trailer that works really well on um, single track, but for a deer, we um, you know we have a double wheel that's a cart, basically like your game cart that attaches to the bike, um, and both of those are good. Um, on that double cart, you can load it up with a lot. You can put, up, but there's a, there's a real downside to it also, and. Um, I'll create this scenario um, that it was personal because I it happened to me too many times. I was actually towing my kids lacrosse gear from where you park, <laughs> where you play, and you're running over curbs and da da da, and you know, bringing it over to the fields and like you loaded up with everything for the whole day, and you hit a curb and it would just tip over because all that weight <laughs> are locked and, and everything would fall off. And I'm that guy picking it all up. Um, but, um, what we just created coming out this spring is a trailer that's two wheels with independent suspension. So the wheels go like this. Yeah. So that's the new trailer that we Sweet. a lot. Right. Um, and so that new trailer is truly an overlanding trailer that is uh, very modular and capable of putting lots of different things on it, whether you want it to be look like a flatbed pickup truck or, a space to carry a cooler or I mean talk about like taking it for like to hold your fishing rods for surf casting or whatever, but it's very modular and will have independent suspension. So it should alleviate that uh, tip tipping over. Now the single wheel trailer obviously doesn't tip over, but it's also awkward, right? Like when you try to start, it's like all this weight on a single axle and it's like just the getting going. Once you get going with it, it feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's awkward too. So there, was, there wasn't one that was the best. So we have the two now. We married them and put independent suspension. Um, and that's this new trailer coming out. And, um, it's going to be cool because, and uh, also for utility and the whole, whether it's the trailer or the bike or this, you know, our whole business ethos has been to have a modular platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the modular platform um, that we design in our new bikes, I mentioned about the IAT and the drivetrain. The third thing that we're, that's with it is all of the racking systems are modular. So somebody going hunting might have a different rack that is integrated in bolts. It's not, and it's not like a little bolt-on. This is a full-on integration rack that can – we didn't rate it for it, but it could hold 300 pounds. Um the a guy going fishing uh, might be different than the guy going hunting than the person um, going to check fence rows with a chainsaw, right? Mm-hmm. Different racks. So all these racks are super modular to fit into the, I, I would almost call it the receiver of on the frame now for these new racks. Um, now all of our bikes will come with just the standard utility rack um, that looks a little similar to the one that you have, Walt, mm-hmm. um, but it bolts and, Aries in, but part of our evolution of future is like lots of different racks for different use cases for this, for that, for this. Um, I mean, shoot, one of our sister companies is a leading golf company, right? Bushnell Golf and mm-hmm. Force Golf. Mm-hmm. Story there that 
you could probably read between the lines, right? But um, so um, having that utility modular platform from the bike to the trailer to whatever else you can think about that's becoming modular for that to increase the experience. And it doesn't, mm -hmm. again, if you're, out, if you're out camping with your family and you wanted to tow up a large cooler full of steaks and wine versus freeze-dried food, you should do that. And then you want to light up your campground, you should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's all where that's going. You know, the biggest downside to having an e-bike, and it's a huge one I didn't anticipate, is if your buddies don't get on board, then you're stuck slumming it like them on foot, right? And so I've been looking at this cargo trailer largely because I'm like, well, I can throw Brett or Parker on that joker, and I could, you know, get them back there with me, and then we don't have to take so much time walking. But it's a bad dad joke there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love how it's modular because one of the things I hate more than anything is utilitary items, you know, single purpose items. It drives me up a wall. And, and Parker has heard me have this whole conversation with backpacks. I hate that a lot of times it feels like you have to have a dedicated backpack for packing meat. And it's not good for just toting your camera gear and whatnot in the woods. And so I, I love the direction that's going. I'm curious. It, it, there's not ever much discussion about this, but it's a let me say it this way. There's a lot of discussion about this, but I don't know that there's ever been a good solution, and that might be because it's not a problem. One of the biggest things people are worried about is putting their gun on a rack, whether at the front or the back, losing zero. They've gone all the way back there, and then they met. It, has that never been addressed because it's not something that typically is a problem? Um, so we have the gun racks. We co we have the Copeland racks that mm -hmm. mount to our and to, to hold – a gun, a bow, a shovel, whatever. I personally am a component of putting those things on my back. I know that I'm now in full control of that. And if something slips out and that bike kind of cracked, fell over even softly, I didn't bump my scope or my sight. So I personally always put that weapon on my back, which means I have a good solid backpack. Um, like, you know, a stone glacier or a Sitka or, you know, an elderly stock backpack that really is meant to like secure something in strongly. Um, that's how I feel about it. Uh, for sure. A lot of our users do put their bows on the bike. Um, and these racks, um, you know, another thing that we're putting on there is like lots of Molly panel stuff. Um, you know, you can, there's going to be a bunch of different ways that you can strap whatever you want to the bike. Weapon wise, I keep it on my person all the time. There's that's a whole subset of uh, our Patreon group that just lit up with big smiles because that's been the biggest, the biggest thing that they've talked about is like, how do I get my climber? How do I get my pack on all this different stuff and like, and, and figure it out? I'm, I'm the paranoid type. So my goal has always been to have the gun, you know, across my back, uh, bow, the same thing with my bow. Um, I think Brett, wasn't that one of your big primary concerns was something rattling loose while you go down the trail? Yeah, definitely. I was thinking about, uh, putting it on just, the rifle rack on the front versus a sling on my shoulder or something riding in because I didn't want to bump the side off. Yeah. And that was a big debate we had. Yeah. I, I had, yeah. Again, 
if for some reason you took a small, I don't even want to say a crash, but even if your bike just kind of fell over, like even if it was sitting there and something hit it and it fell over and your weapon's on it and it takes that scratch with the weight of the bike on it and stuff. Yeah, again, I, I just, I, that's a personal preference. I just, I just, I always just want it on me. Um, that's just the way. And I haven't ha ever had any problems of losing a sight or it getting off of my bow or, or my scope. Um, such. Um, and hey, one more thing um, uh, while on your bike that's interesting is, you know, the trailer, you see the trailer bolts, right? At the back of mm -hmm. the rear triangle bolts. Um, the common BMX pegs screw onto that. So that is the same size thread as a BMX peg. Going to Amazon right now. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Brett, you're going to be riding on the back of the bike. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna snag a tree and we're both going for a ride we don't do a lot of marketing of more than one person on a bike just for liability just sure sure do they have the power and capability to do it yeah i've hey i mean i've been in other countries and seen way more than two people on a single bike in my life <laughs> they will be here uh it looks like sunday morning brett <laughs> perfect well i i think we've got room for maybe one maybe two more questions i've got one closing question for jake do you do you two have one you want to fight over or no man i, I i'm just uh man I, I i do like i like the idea of having an e-bike honestly i really do um i want you to one time really quick you mentioned somebody that was or, or a group or a, an organization or somebody that's, uh, or I think maybe it was a website where people could find out all the regulations and the things that are going on with that. What was that again? But, uh, people for bikes.org. It's, it's just spelled out people for bikes.org. And then you can just navigate right to the e-bike section, right to the state, right to the legislation. That, uh, Walt, we'll have to make sure that that's in the, uh, yeah. in the show notes so that we can, uh, People can go check that out. I think for me, that's one of the things that I'm probably the most concerned with is like, okay, it sounds cool. If I go and hunt in Florida or mm -hmm. Missouri, that that'd be great. But I don't know what is, what the regulations are in all the other States that I hunt. You know what I mean? And I'll tell you what, they're changed. Those regulations change fast because yeah. the sure. new option category that those laws can change, even though laws don't change fast in any type of government, the e-bike stuff is, um, and so that's the best spot. And then also call the local authorities, your local DNR, and get their read on it, right? And there's also a little bit of gray area that's up for discretion. All right. So I can tell your family's ready to have you back for dinner. So I'm going to ask you one question. I feel like we've done a really good job of capturing the why already. Uh, there's a lot of people out there chasing y'all's success. There's a lot of thousand dollars, seven hundred, eighteen hundred dollar e-bikes. Um, Quiet Cat is on the more expensive side of things. I think everybody has heard why the thought, the R and D, the intentionality of this. Um, if people are listening to this and they're thinking, okay, I'm trying to make that justification, right? Tell the wife why the why the Quiet Cat versus the fill in the blank. I'm not going to name anybody so you don't get sued. But like, <laughs> what is your your answer to that question? Um, well, I'm a, I've always been a component with anything that you definitely pay for what you get, um, or you get, I'm sorry, you get what you pay for. Um, but, um, if 
far, um, so that that is very true. Just high quality, right? Especially on things that are have a lot of moving parts. But also legislation uh, legislation is happening a lot with the le- with the regulatory of like uh, batteries, and this is because of fire, right? Um, so the certifications is a big one. I would definitely, if I was any user, I wouldn't even consider a purchase of an e-bike without minimally the UL271 certification on the battery, or even better yet, the UL2849 certification, which is the entire bike. And those are going to at least let you sleep at night that you're not going to burn your house down and someone in your family might be casualty to that. Um, And then just, um, you know, just the the use case of of having a product that you know is going to work when you want it to work and when you need it to work. Um, And what I would really recommend anyone listening right now, and I'm not trying to say don't look at the stuff we have on our website because they're awesome and they're probably the best deal, but the technology coming out in the next six months for QuietCat, I told you we were the first ones in 2012. This year is the next step of what happened in 2012 for QuietCat. Yeah, compared to I want, that's yeah. and, but I haven't unless someone else has some stuff coming out that I haven't seen, which is possible. There's a lot of smart people out there, but we've got some stuff coming out that's going to kind of blow your mind. Well, I, I want to throw some some credit your way as well because I have in the pursuit of getting people on to talk this podcast, I've also asked a lot of questions of the people at the different companies I've reached out to. Now, now having owned a Quiet Cat, I've had a couple small issues. It was all me. It was WD forty on the chain. Uh, kind of situation or the brake pads kind of things. Uh, when I call Quiet Cat and I've talked about some of these problems, the customer service has been off the chain. I just want to give y'all's team absolute credit. It is just phenomenal. I ask a lot of stupid questions. It is who I am. I can't visualize things very easily in my head. I have to actually see them, but they can walk me through those problems. Um, I have a feeling that if you guys can re- who are listening read between the lines, a lot of those companies you could get a deal on probably don't have that same apparatus to support you as well. I won't, like I said, I won't name any names, but I think uh, if you're getting a, a deal on a on an internet e bike, it's probably not coming with that same that same thought R and D and support system. But Jake, dude, I appreciate you carving time out of your evening dealing with all the technical troubles we've had and dropping some insane knowledge. I, honestly, I, I think there's going to be a part two to this if you'll entertain us here in, in probably a little while i think people are going to listen to this send us a pile of more questions um and and i'd love to have you back on man yeah sure well thank you guys um i appreciate it and you know I, about customer service and you know what i'm saying is um you know the journey starts the day that a customer buys a bike but it goes for the years right and it goes through the whole operation of hey something's a problem get a fix and that's customer service or need to be reliable and the battery to last years down the road. Um, that's just part of having good quality products. Um, so I need for us and really important to me is I need that journey for every customer to be the best that it can be for the entire journey, not the day they get it, not just the price they bought it for. Right. I need it to be really good for the entire journey. And that's really important to us and to Quiet Cat and to our whole company, bigger company too, right? To have really good customer experiences that people are proud about. And that's what makes great brands. 
That's awesome, Absolutely. man. Well, I, I hope everybody who's listened to this has had their their questions answered. I hope if you're listening to this and we didn't cover it, you guys will let us know. Make sure we're aware of that. I know the Patreon members will make it uh, very, very loud and clear because they have direct access to our phones, uh, it feels like. So, uh, but, dude, I, I'm going to include people for uh, peopleforbikes.org. What's, what did I say, Parker? Did I say something silly? You said it feels like it does. It does feel like they have access to our phones. I mean, it it does. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But it's set up that way. Um, But I'll include that in the in the show notes for you guys. I'm going to include the the Quiet Cat uh, link in there as well. When when can we drop this, Jake? You said you have big announcements. I don't want to drop this too soon. Is this uh, wait till mid? It's all. I didn't spill anything. I mean, the next thing is people are going to see. It's going to be this. Okay. What I do, people can know about. It's good. Go. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to put, I'm going to put in the title, like breaking, breaking news, brand new quiet cat technology episode. And we'll just, we'll just (laughs) blow the internet up with the, (laughs) well, good luck man at ATA and I appreciate you. Okay. Thanks guys. Have a good night.